0: The problem with the internet, at least the way it has evolved, is that it's favored a lot of highly centralized enterprises. And those highly centralized ecosystems are not a level playing field, right? The 800 right. pound gorillas, they don't just dominate the supply chain, but they effectively also dominate all the data flows. And the data flows put them at a substantial advantage. They can see all this transactional data. Yep. On a blockchain, we can have with blockchain privacy technology, you could have integration across silos. Without creating an unlevel playing field, without substantially advantaging one particular party by putting in them as the hub of all that information flow, and I believe that this is one of the the key things that will ultimately drive adoption as it gets easier. Is instead of having to have an argument over, well, how about you join my portal because I don't want to join your portal, we're <laughs> going to say we can all meet on neutral territory, which is its blockchain ecosystem, and I know I can examine the code of the system and know in a provable way that I am being treated fairly and my data is being protected and we are just sharing what we need to share. to Mission DeFi with Brad Nickel, where we explore projects in decentralized finance that are innovating and driving our mission of financial freedom forward. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review Mission DeFi and spread the word by posting a tweet to the show. All opinions expressed by Brad Nickel or his guests are their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Black Knox, Material Indicators, or any other affiliated organizations. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Brad Nickel or his guests as an inducement to make a particular investment, follow a particular strategy, or become involved with any project. A project being featured on the show is not an endorsement of that project in any way. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Now, here's Mission DeFi with Brad Nickel.
1: I am excited today to have Paul Brody with EY, and Paul is global blockchain leader for that rather large organization, and I'm just glad that 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 an organization like that has a global blockchain leader, and that, that's exciting to me that, that they're putting so much work and investment and effort into it. I connected with Paul because I saw their announcement about their partnership between Polygon and EY, and EY providing some cool technology to them. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But Paul, welcome. If you could kind of quickly give us your background and when you transitioned into blockchain, global blockchain leader and how that happened for you and all that good stuff, if you don't mind.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for having me. It is, for me, this has become, this has developed over like a decade into a real passion for me. I got into blockchain almost by accident when I was working at IBM. And we were working on solving a really sort of interesting, challenging problem. We had clients who were uh, selling millions or tens of millions of connected devices. Some of them were smartphones, some of them refrigerators, light bulbs. And they were looking at the cost of managing all these devices, right? And for every device that you sell, there's some cloud infrastructure that goes towards managing that. And for so a client came to me one day and they said, this is crazy. We are going broke. And, you know, with the cost of managing this infrastructure. And if I sell a thousand dollar phone, then $10 or $20 of cloud infrastructure is not a problem. But what happens if I sell a $20 light bulb oh. and it's a smart connected light bulb and an LED light bulb has an expected life of 20 years and I'm going to have $10 worth of management costs? Like we can't sustain our business in that future. So what wow. suggestions do you have? You clever people at IBM. And so I convened a little team. and I think one of the great luxuries of working in a place where you have all these brilliant engineers is, you can convene a team with a clean sheet of paper and say, hey, where we solve this problem. And one of the questions that I asked was, these devices are smart. They are really smart. So why is it that we need cloud infrastructure to manage these smart devices? Why can't they manage themselves? Wow. And the answer is they can and they should. And we, we looked at a bunch of different things because distributed computing, decentralized computing, is not a new idea. But we settled on blockchain. And in particular, we settled on this, this strange guy named Vitalik Taran. Who had this an alpha version of something called Ethereum? We settled on this and we we started working with Vitalik because we what we realized was kind of interesting. There are lots of different decentralized or distributed computing infrastructures out there, but the cool thing about blockchain is it comes with this built-in infrastructure of accounts and payment. And it was very funny. We said to ourselves, so we we don't know exactly how the world is going to monetize the Internet of Things, but we want to use a system that's ready for payments and infrastructure and once you get into that and you realize like how transformational it is, that was like the tip of the iceberg, the beginning of the slippery slope. And, you know, a year later, it's like, I want to do really nothing but blockchain. And at that time, IBM just wasn't that into it. It's admitting like about a year, 60 months to a year after I left, they sort of completely changed their view. But at the time, they were not excited. And interestingly, EY, which is a very old school, like audit-driven firm, They were quite excited about this, and they were taking it very seriously because they had audit clients who were starting to hold meaningful amounts of blockchain-based assets. And they realized, we've got to understand this
1: technology. Nice. That's awesome. And so you made the jump to EY. And and when you came in, were they already kind of actively working on projects around accounting and kind of their traditional product line, service line?
0: Yeah. So when... When I got here, EY was already doing financial statement audits. They were already thinking about how do you value digital assets. And so they were doing what they needed to do based on the client requirements. Right. And there was a sense of like, wow, this, this could be really cool and interesting. And I was very fortunate we found executive leadership and sponsorship to do much more than that, to, to really build a technology business. And after about six months, I persuaded them. And I, I will never forget this because it was like two o'clock in the morning. I did this video conference from Dubai. And I said, listen, blockchain is hot right now. People are excited about it. We need to to go into this and fund it. But I want to warn you in advance. This is a business that's going to go up and down like crazy. And this week, you are going to read an article in the paper about how blockchain is amazing. And six months or nine months from now, you're going to read an article about how it's the dumbest idea in history. (laughs) And it's a bubble and it's stupid. And what I need to do is just keep in mind. And I showed them this chart, which I bring out all the time. It's the Gartner Hype Cycle of emerging technologies from 2012. I say, let's look at all these things that, that five or seven years ago, people were saying are overhyped or overrated. Ask yourself, how many of them do we use every single day? Nice. And if you believe in taking the long view, then I need you to fund this over five, 10 years, you got to think about it that way, right? And you got to stick it out through the downturns. So and I can now look back after five years. And I can say with a lot of pride, like we stuck it out during the downturn and the partnership that we have that we're working out with Polygon is a direct outcome of that. And I know you want to talk about that, but you know, when I, when we come to talking about that, I will be able to point to the fact that we sustained our investment over the ups and the downs because the downs in this business were low. Oh yeah,
1: right, absolutely. <laughs> and, I, and I'm sure in, so, internally people are saying, what are we doing here? Right. But I think that was really smart of you to, to lay that groundwork in advance. Because so many things get killed in tech because there's no expectation. There's expectation of continued growth and we're gonna have tons of revenue.
0: There's a a pattern of of behavior that large companies always go through, which is they get excited about something. They throw huge amounts of money at it and then they're disappointed when it doesn't produce immediate large amounts of revenue. And I had a conversation very early on with our our prior chairman where he's like, listen, what what would you do if we gave you a hundred million dollars today? And I was like, I would give you ninety nine million because I cannot make, I cannot make a business in the next eighteen months that you will feel satisfied for your hundred million. Exactly. So what we need to do is spend a hundred million over the next five years, and in that time, yes, we will. That's fantastic. So,
1: you know, you're in, what was the old term they used? An entrepreneur, right? That's really cool. That I think that was popular for several years in the eighties. I think it's really cool that that you were able to carve that out and re and make them realize this is a this is a this is a long haul. And you know, here you are in the brand new offices in New York with your unicorn t-shirt on. And I'm really excited that, that this actually even exists in a company like EY. So when you started off, you know, how much time did you have to spend thinking about EY's role in blockchain? Right. I mean, there's a lot of gambles here, right? There's an infrastructure play, there's focused on accounting play, there's build your own blockchain. There's integrate with other blockchains. What was that process like that you guys had to go through to kind of figure out strategically where you were taking this thing?
0: It was a very, very classic, like, kind of consulting project where you sit and you think about, okay, you know, we have a clean sheet of paper. What kind of business do we want to build? And we went through a whole bunch of, you just listed like half the hypotheses we considered. And I'll tell you, we came in on some really, really important considerations. The first thing was, we're going to build products that serve companies in the blockchain business or who are using blockchain, we're not going to try to sell the rest of EY on using blockchain and stuff they already do. Nice. That was one important decision. We're going to be externally focused. We're going to sell stuff. Right. The second critical decision that we came to was, are we private blockchain or public blockchain? And this is what's the most difficult one. And uh, really there, we're drawing on, and I especially drawing on a lot of sort of like history of technology, right? Private blockchains remind me a lot of private world gardens like dial-up internet services and and you know CompuServe and AOL and those things that don't exist anymore they're these wonderfully controlled environments that kind of don't really scale and and truthfully aren't really consistent with the spirit of blockchain or the internet right and but they they solve one really important problem which is in enterprises and this was the the huge issue that we had very early on, which is enterprises investors uh large financial institutions they are never going to use blockchain if everything they do is completely public. Sure right. They need privacy from their competition. they need to be able to execute their trading strategies or their business strategies without having them be picked upon and picked apart by you know armchair critics and potential competitors. And so we were in this really tough decision mode, which is private blockchains. So the, the big question was public or private. This was the, the kind of the one that was really going to prove to be divisive. And the answer we came down on was public, but. And the, the but part was this, which is we have to do public in the long run. It's the only thing that will work out in scale, but we also have to make privacy possible because without that, this thing is never going to scale. So where we directed ourselves towards is the Ethereum ecosystem, Right? And we would invest substantially in privacy technology. I really believe in the same way that in the early days of the internet, there was no privacy, but we, we it, it quickly, we developed SSL. We did all these tools for internet privacy. We were going to focus, we're going to do the same thing for blockchain. We hired researchers. We hired mathematicians, which was a huge first for EY. And we focused in on zero knowledge proofs. We, we did a bunch of work and zeroed in on that. And we said, okay, we're going to prepare zero knowledge proofs for the future. And it's not gonna be ready yet. In the meantime, we will only do hardcore development on either public Ethereum or private Ethereum. And because of that, we will, at the very least, only build core skills in one ecosystem. And we will be the absolute best at Ethereum. And we will have to admit that we're gonna pass on all these other ecosystems, which are really awesome. And I, I got a lot of angry messages from other people. Like, <laughs> The answer is, it's not that I don't like your platform. The answer is I can only build on one platform to be really, really good. You can only get to do a small number of things well, so you got to pick one yep. and you got to be focused on it and you just have to accept that you're just not going to be all things to all people. And I will tell you that I feel like at times I felt like, wow, I am the most unpopular par- partner in this firm because of that stance. But I, I think now we can look back and say, it's really paid off.
1: Yeah, And look, that's a, that's a big bet, right? I mean, I, I love the bet and I love the play. And I think that's the kind of bet you have to make if you're going to lead. a a business what you're doing and i think it's i think it's smart right it's it's obviously ethereum was was leading in in programmable blockchains at the time but still you knew more was coming and you knew there was a lot of risk there so i i love that play i love that gamble the other really cool thing i like about this i'm going to just state the obvious like a sportscaster here is the beauty of it is this right this world is immediately skeptical of hey ey is Getting into blockchain, right? I mean, you know, everyone's paranoid and worried about big corporations, et cetera. The beauty of it is you're actually developing technologies to protect the privacy of average users and your clients. And so you've got a platform coming out that it's impossible for them, for the, for the ecosystem to argue with, unless it's on a, on a technical matter, right? So that, in it, that makes you everyone comfortable with what you're developing at the same time, It makes your potential clients comfortable with it that's that's great and one of the great leaps that the partners
0: here have made and i always have to talk about the partners because we're a partnership and i am i'm literally spending the money of myself with partners one of the great leaps that we made was this decision to take our privacy technology and donate it into the public domain right that's a huge step right people are like we're going to give millions of dollars of research you're just going to give it away and like yes and trust me this will be the way that we build credibility, this is a way to address sergeant, you make it simple, you make it easy there's no strings attached
1: that's that's just a beautiful story. so why don't we go ahead? I've got some of the questions I'll come back to, but I'd, so we're on this topic. let's talk about nightfall let's talk about the platform you guys have built, and then we'll go back into other products and some other things I wanted to ask you about. Can you tell us kind of give us the overview of what it is, how it benefits people how Projects could use it versus consumers
0: or users, that kind of thing. So we have kind of two fundamental aspirations, which is we want privacy enabled the maximum level that's possible kind of under the law. We want to enable for both assets and transfers, as well as business logic. And the story I always tell is this, every business agreement, whether it's an individual transaction, whether it's a business transaction, whether it's a financial transaction, it basically boils down to I have money you have stuff and we are exchanging those under an agreement. And if we want our privacy protected, I need to make sure that the money and the stuff are not public and that the business rules, right? Six widgets for $10. That's also not public. So we ended up building sort of two projects. The first is called Nightfall. And Nightfall was the first one we did and it allowed us to build private transactions, right? Just make the asset private and the transfer private. And that was the first one we did was called Nightfall. And then the second one we started a little bit later and we're still working on is something called Starlight. And Starlight will allow us to do private business logic as well. And Nightfall was done first. We've been been iterating and improving upon that and we opened it up to the community and, and basically made it public domain. And what's fantastic about Nightfall is that after several rounds of iteration, it's really good. In fact, we think it's pretty much best in class for a zero knowledge crew. It's an optimistic zero knowledge rollup with privacy. Every other, pretty much every other kind of ZK rollup is a non-privacy roll. This is a an optimistic rollup with privacy that pretty much has best in class transaction costs. And so when Polygon sort of approached it and said, would we be able to assist them with adapting it and making it a, a, one of their layer twos? we were just kind of over the moon because this is a fantastic way to drive adoption. And we want to see privacy at scale. And I don't think at this point, there's really anybody who's done a better job of driving
1: scale with layer two capability than Polygon. I absolutely agree. Now, I'm totally impressed with that group and the way they drive and deliver constantly. I've, I've also been incredibly impressed with their with their customer service levels. I, I don't know how they've scaled this thing so quickly, but they're doing a great job.
0: We, when we started talking, yeah, I fully agree. When we started talking to Polygon, the thing that really sort of blew us away was they are very smart in terms of how they engineer things. They're very strategic in their vision. They, they, but very importantly, a lot of them come out of a enterprise IT e- ecosystem. And so they understand like privacy, it's required for enterprises, right? Customer care or scaling support. Like they seem to understand some of the issues that we see our clients struggling with, it, just how, not just like you have cool technology, but can I support it? Does it scale? Will it work for my business requirements? The language that we spoke was just really good. And I, I,
1: I see that translated into their operational skills as well. Nice. Okay. So Nightfall, from the, from the end user perspective, what will that experience ultimately be, be like, right? Obviously, it, it's, a, it's a powerful, fast, cheap, layer two solution because it is based on Optimist and it's, you know, that technology. But what's the user experience going to be like gaining the privacy and the capabilities of Nightflow?
0: So our view, our goal is that the user experience will be any different than any other layer two or even a layer one, right? Low transaction costs, reliable performance, and, you know, hopefully over time, an ecosystem of buyers and sellers in there, right? And I think it will attract a lot of companies and portfolio investors who want to be able to do their transactions without exposing all of the transactional data on a day-to-day basis to anybody who's looking.
1: Right. Now, oh, that's great. And then from the perspective of Starlight, I assume then you're kind of taking this, this automation package or a private network package. So this is a separate kind of private network product, Starlight is?
0: No. Starlight's going to be, basically, the goal is to make it a general purpose zero-knowledge compiler. So you can take a Solidity contract, right? And you will. the goal is to be able to tag variables or business logic within the Solidity contract and say, I want that to be private. I want that turned into a zero-knowledge circuit. And where we are right now is that we have a prototype. And if you take a 20-contract and you tag those variables that you want remain private, And you put that Solidity contract into the Starlight compiler, it spits out nightfall. Right. So we know it's working, the prototype's working. But what we need to do is we need to add more complex logic. We need to be able to see variables. One of the first ones that we're doing is enterprise volume purchasing. Right. So I have a I I get a, a rebate or a discount at a certain price or volume threshold. We want to set it up so that you could put the entire contract on chain and somebody could execute, they could send a purchase order and say, I want a thousand widgets. And they would send you back the correct price for those widgets. And you would not be able to understand the underlying logic so that you wouldn't be able right. to understand that the pri- you could have a private procurement agreement running in public on a full public blockchain. That's the goal.
1: That's awesome. And then how do you guys position and package this to sell this to enterprises? Right. I mean, that's a compelling example, but is are, are you in, are you envisioning stablecoin transactions in this or are there some sort of other token for credits that the enterprises will be using amongst themselves what what are your thoughts about what you're actually going to be deploying for customers
0: for customers our goals are really to enable sophisticated business so complex multi-party transactions with any asset or any currency so okay. if you're a financial institution or a defi provider you could build very sophisticated digital assets that run on chain with privacy Right. If you're an enterprise, you could take key enterprise business processes that you need to coordinate with multiple partners and put those on chain and they would run across multiple parties. The, the story that we tell is whether it's the financial system or the industrial system, think about anything that you buy that's manufactured. Right. And, and a good example is beer. Right. So, so beer isn't all just made by a beer maker. Right. They buy grain from farmers. It gets transported by a third party it gets brewed, bottled, and then distributed by independent distributors. That supply chain, that end-to-end supply chain doesn't happen within your four walls. right? Uh, and yet, almost all of the business transactions that we try to run are from this ERP sitting inside of our four walls. Right. And the idea behind blockchain is we think it will be the glue that will allow companies to stitch together their whole value chain and to do it at the network level, right? Up at the you know, from the farm to the table, rather than inside your, just your little segment of the four walls. Right. And it will be so much more efficient. I'm just give you a data point. That's really amazing. So we're doing the, this uh, Xbox video games, smart contracting from Microsoft. And it's a classic procurement activity, right? Microsoft is buying billions and billions of dollars of games from independent gamers. And they've got something like 30,000 different contracts from about three or 4,000 different vendors. And each one is, is a little bit different today in, in the pre blockchain world, it takes about 45 days after the end of the month for them to produce all of the account statements. But when we convert a contract to a smart contract, that time cycle goes from 45 days down to under five minutes. That's awesome. Right. Five minutes after a game is purchased, the seller knows that, that it was purchased and they know how much royalty they're entitled to under the terms of their agreement. And that kind of cycle time compression, that's that it's still huge it's
1: worth it. a huge amount of money to our yeah, clients. Absolutely. Well, and I think the other in the example of you gave of the beer, right? All, one of the biggest problems with ERP implementations is how do I get the data from the other people that are in this equation? Whereas when you made the smart decision to go public blockchain and then be able to privatize that or 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 encrypt what's happening in the in the math of that. What you did was say to everybody in the chain, no, you don't, we're not going to tell you what ERP system to have. You, you can operate on this same place in the same way with your own interface, but you can choose to allow us to share data, right. Or to interact, carry out transactions together, but we can both keep track of it. So I, I think that solves a huge problem just in general between supply chains interacting. That's, and, and, you know, the funny thing is, is you often hear uh, the argument, well, just put it on a database on the server, but that's actually the problem, right? Because who owns the database? Who, who's going to provide access to it and who gets the benefit of it? Is it the big company at the front end that makes all the money that makes the most money, or is it the little guy who's shipping the, the beer to the, the grain to market? So yeah. That's and it, it, to
0: me, it's kind of the core of the, the blockchain value proposition, which is the problem with the internet, at least the way it has evolved is that it's favored a lot of highly centralized enterprises. And those highly centralized ecosystems are not a level playing field, right? The 800 pound gorillas, they don't just dominate the supply chain, but they effectively also dominate all the data flows. And the data flows put them at a substantial advantage. They can see all this transactional data. Yep. On a blockchain, we can have, with blockchain privacy technology, you can have integration across silos, without creating an unlevel playing field, without substantially advantaging one particular party by putting in them as the hub of all that information flow. And I believe that this is one of the the key things that will ultimately drive adoption as it gets easier is instead of having to have an argument over, well, how about you join my portal because I don't want to join your portal, we can <laughs> just say we can all meet on neutral territory, right? Which is this blockchain ecosystem, and I know I can examine the code of the system. And know in a provable way that I am being treated fairly and my data is being protected and we are just sharing what we need to share.
1: That's fantastic. I love that. I love that vision. I love what you guys are creating and, and how it's going about it. Is your is EY's revenue model primarily services oriented? In in other words, consultancy, telling them, helping them get on board to to blockchain, but then also but in-house, are you guys also developing for clients as well?
0: So we've got sort of three major revenue models. The first revenue model is financial statement assurance, right? Financial statement audit. That's a classic business that we've been in for a long time. Historically, it's been sort of people times hours, but with tools like our blockchain analyzer, we are automating a big chunk of that. So we've invested very heavily in the digital component of the blockchain audit and the automation. So that's a first, that's a big chunk of our business. And it's really essential because I think the future is all about not just a financial statement audit, but something that's called attestation and stock reporting, right? If I'm going to buy something on the internet, how do I know it's real? If I buy something on the blockchain, how do I know it's real? And the answer is, I couldn't just take your word for it. What I want to be able to do is say, we attest, we report, we analyze, we check. And this company that's reporting these widgets or these assets on chain they are doing so accurately. That's called attestation reporting or SOC or system of control reporting. And those are going to be foundational to the kind of the trusted ecosystem. Because people keep talking about blockchains as trustless. They're not trustless. But what you get to do on a blockchain is you get to choose who you're going to trust, who is going to provide these independent audits, right? But the value, pro- there's still a huge value proposition from an independent kind of separately accountable audit. So that's one big part of our business. Nice second big part of our business is classic consulting. What should we do? What should our strategy be? Can you help us build this? Can you help us code this? And then the third part of our business, and the one that's really kind of growing very, very quickly is we are running SaaS applications that do business transaction execution on chain. So we have a product called OpsChain Contract Manager, and it allows companies to take procurement contracts, royalty contracts, license contracts, And turn them into blockchain-based smart contracts with privacy that they can access through a a very kind of SAP-like API and mint tokens, transfer tokens, make payments, do all of that stuff. So we're in the business now of kind of building these applications and running them as business applications and scaling the business accordingly.
1: That's that's great. That's I lo- I like all of those streams and and I really uh, I think that last one makes a lot of sense to just kind of get people in. I think that's uh, that's great. I noticed on your products page a the a smart contract and token review. Can you talk a little bit more about that and and how it functions and what it does?
0: Yeah, so so smart contract and token review is one of the most strategic investments that we have made. We have stood up a kind of blockchain security team in Israel and the, the logic behind this is simple. I believe by 2030, 50% of all business contracts are going to be executed on the public Ethereum blockchain or a layer two. Right. But let's think about that for a moment. What does that mean? That means that all these new business contracts, I'm buying stuff, you're selling stuff, they're going to be software code. And very, very few people who actually do Procurement are software code readers, right? They're not code developers. So how do I know that this smart contract that I just received does what I think it says, right? And the answer is I don't. So what we are starting to build is this this core functionality around decompose a contract, check it for risks and errors, be able to stimulate the performance of the contract on the blockchain, test it out before you deploy it or sign it or start using it. And so as this matures, we're going to start building it into every single thing we do. So that right. you'll be able to test before you trade, test before you sign, test before you transact, simulate for risk, right? You'll be able, one of the things I think it's going to be very exciting is let's think about a future where there's already, there's trillions of dollars of F assets. Using our blockchain simulation tools, I can tell you what will probably happen if, you know, the peg on a US dollar token oh. collapsed or something else, right? So we we, will, we can actually, we can not just build a value risk model. We can simulate what would happen, the cascade of potential transactional flows. We can build tests to look at that. And so I see this as a critical risk management, risk mitigation tool that ultimately every single company or person who is transacting on chain is going to want to have in their portfolio.
1: That's that's phenomenal. I had a, I did an interview with a firm called um, DeFi Safety. And, and I said to them, I said, Are you aware of, or are you guys thinking about building something that actually, look, I mean, half of the losses, I don't know, I'm making up a number, but a large part of the losses that happen in DeFi are, are just, they're not hacks. They're actually people taking advantage of bad models or natural human psychology causing a bank run or whatever on a particular protocol. I said, if you had, if you had a system, if somebody had a system that would actually analyze for the potential things that could happen around a given smart contract, that would be incredibly valuable to the, to the ecosystem. So is that a product that people would be able to pay a monthly fee for to utilize? How's that, how's that work?
0: Yeah. So, so right now you can sort of access the initial version for free. I think there's a new version that's coming very soon that I think we probably will also make kind of, at least at some very simple level free, and it's still in its early stages. But yeah, the goal is, start building this catalog of customized tests to start building the catalog of of standard tests to start maturing kind of the whole testing and risk management infrastructure. But it is a, it's a big long-term bet. And you'll see this product mature quite a bit. It's just that we're in that like the first couple of iterations, but this is really valuable because I think ultimately everything you do, you will want to test beforehand. And one of the funny things I talk to my clients about is like DeFi is a really good industry example incredibly sophisticated financial concepts being deployed with zero testing, (laughs) right? No security planning, nothing. It's not like a bizarre combination of incredibly incredible sophistication with shocking naivete. Yeah. What we want to try to do is kind of, listen, we can't guarantee or ever promise you that there won't be risk, but we can help you at least avoid some of the really dumb, obvious mistakes that have already been made by a bunch of other folks. That's a good starting point and it should be able to get better from there.
1: Yeah. And, you know, look at the biggest projects in the world make these mistakes, right? Like Sushi sushi ha- had a bug in, in Miso recently that left $300 million available and someone pointed it out privately to them and they were able to, to remediate the situation. But I can see so many integrations with this, right? I can see wallet integrations, exchange integrations, everyone that's deploying a contract, having some certification that they've at least run through the EY smart contract checker, because then... Then everyone making decisions from an investing perspective is going to love it. I can see institutional firms saying, "Okay, you're not permitted to trade with this platform until once they're in, until you've run this kind of On about it. test." Yeah.
0: before you trade. Test yeah. before you trade. Right. Um, test before you sign. Right. And 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 just make it a routine. Right. I, I always give the analogy. Right. If you're a large enterprise, would you deploy a hundred thousand PCs without antivirus? No. If you're a large enterprise. Would you, would, you, would you spend a couple billion dollars without testing automation in your, your blockchain ecosystem? The answer will in the future be no.
1: That's right. No, it's, it's, I actually think that when you start making money from that product, it's going to be incredibly lucrative. I, I just, I mean, it's so obvious. It's just perfectly obvious. That's a great bet too. Well, One of the questions I wanted to ask you is it, on kind of a, a personal or impression level, What's your interaction been like from EY in the crypto space? I mean, do you have people that are just automatically don't trust you because you're from EY? And then there's a segment of the population that are like, wait a minute, what are you doing in this in this world? What's that been like for you in this role?
0: It's been a huge range, right? So, yeah, absolutely. There's people who are like knee-jerk and like these people don't know what to do. Or maybe worse, these people are they're going to like rat us out to the regulators or something like that, right? There's, <laughs> there's, that is a small segment, right? right. there's, you know, and then there's a larger segment, which is like, you guys are really old school accountants. You just, I'm sure you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And then there's a, uh, a small, but really growing segment, which is like, whoa, I'm kind of impressed. You seem to kind of know what you're doing. And it just, when I hear stuff like that, it like warms my heart. But I'll tell sure. you where we invested a lot of time and energy and, and where that investment really paid off in Reddit. So we 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 spent a lot of time and energy in the, the, the Ethereum Finance Forum, Eats Finance in Reddit. And we talked to a lot of the people there. We asked questions and advice. They asked really, really good questions. And you know, we we worked on talking to engineers, developers, investors, and finance people in the forums that they engage in. Right. And you know, we we listened when they ha- gave us advice on things. And the payoff from that has been that, although not everybody knows this, I feel like the people who do, do take us seriously, right? We are, we are not a joke, right? You know, I, it, it makes me want to bang my head against the wall. And I read an article and like, EY, a member of the big four. But if you talk to the people in Reddit, they will never say EY, a member of the big four, because they know we are very different from our peers in this space. And so, you know, that the experience for me has been really good in terms of if you engage the people who are thoughtful in the community, if you treat the community with some respect, right? You don't treat them like sort of idiots or shills or try to shove like a corporate press release down their throat. (laughs) You will be, that investment will be paid back a thousand times over in uh, credibility and understanding. And I've actually seen cases where I like posted, like, here's my recent article or point of view. And there'll be some good discussion. Then there'll be one person be like, wow, you guys are, how, how can you listen to what this, this big four accounting firm has to say. And I don't have to respond because right. three other people will pile on. Nice. Like, Go look at the history. These people are serious. Go look at their GitHub repository. They're, they're, they're in this for the long haul. And that is, there's no better payoff than that.
1: Well, that's fantastic. And, and I think it was smart to lay that groundwork. And what I love is, look, we always talk in this world about incentives, right? We talk about, you know, big, bad government and corporate world is misaligned incentives. And that's what causes all of the problem and corruptions we have in this world. But that's a big theme of conversations in the crypto ecosystem. And I think what what works beautifully from a strategic perspective for EY is you guys have aligned your strategy with the same ins- with incentives that the people who would normally oppose EY just because you're EY actually have, right? Privacy, allowing corporations to be on it and protect themselves. But the end result is the tools you are putting out to market will help both sides of that equation. And and to me, it's I think it becomes very difficult for people to argue that what you're doing isn't aligned incentive-wise with the whole ecosystem. It makes complete sense.
0: It does. We're still going to be... You know, not always in agreement. You, there, are, of there are definitely sort of anti-regulation maximalists. And I, I sympathize because the regulations are complicated. Yep. But I am also largely bullish on a transition to regulatory compliance. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we gave a little talk and I said, you know, let's look at the crypto and blockchain ecosystem in the context of the financial ecosystem. We're a $2 trillion business today, right? $2 trillion in assets in the crypto and blockchain ecosystem. The stock market is 71 trillion. The bond market is 115 trillion. And bank assets are another 155 trillion. If we do well in, in adopting, adapting, and implementing regulation, almost all of those assets are eventually going to be racked, tokenized, and deployed in the crypto ecosystem. Right. And so the price, the, the the cost is accepting regulation and doing some of the tedious work of compliance. The payoff is access to a market that could make us. 60, hundred times larger than we are today. And that is a worthwhile trade-off.
1: So I just was reading antisocial Ben Mesrich book about the GameStop thing or listening to, that's the only way I read anymore. And in it, he, he walks you through, and this is something I had zero knowledge about prior, but he walks you through what the process is for oh, the way an actual stock purchase happens, right? And all the middlemen in between who are taking a piece of the action. And and to me, immediately said, well, wait a minute if if these, if these stock certificates were happening on the blockchain, they would know all of those problems go away. But of course, at the same time, all of the people in the middle of those transactions go away as well, right? There, there's no longer a financial incentive or need for these people that are in the middle of it. And I guess the question becomes for me on a big picture regulatory thing is, do we get the regulations that we think are necessary that also get rid of the excess baggage we have in our systems now because blockchain solves some of those problems and i'm just curious if you if that's what your thoughts are on that
0: so i'm broadly optimistic but the the fact is that regulations in order to be evenly and fairly applied can be a little bit of a blunt tool yep so on the one hand there's lots of statistical and, and evidence and academic studies that show that day traders and sort of meme traders in, on the, in the long run really don't make a lot of money. And yep. a, a significant number of them lose a huge amount of money and maybe right. money that they can't afford to lose. So there's incredible investor rules are there to protect those folks. Because truth be told, we know this, you know this, I know this. If you understand blockchain, you also understand that many of the people buying these assets don't really understand them. It's true. But, and in fairness, People should have the freedom to make their choices. And there's a challenge here, which is you shouldn't be able able to bet your whole financial net worth, but you should be able to speculate a small amount of money if you want to. And I don't know exactly how that works, but I do know that sort of generally speaking, regulation is always going to be a somewhat imperfect process. And that's going to be kind of frustrating. And there's legitimate reasonable discussion around exceptions to that which i think are worth having on the topic of all the the intermediaries that we're going to lose you know i I come back to the analogy of travel agents right if your job as a travel agent was just to print the ticket yes you are out of business but if your job as a travel agent was to be a visionary travel planner somebody who creates amazing vacations you are still in business and that's what we want we want financial planners, smart advisors, people who make your retirement possible, those people are never going to be out of business. But if your job is to just process a transaction and move it on, that's not a huge loss.
1: Are there other things we should know about what you guys are building, doing, planning at EY that we haven't covered today?
0: We talked about kind of this, this transition, the starlight and, and nightfall and, and this future path. I think ultimately, I think a lot about how blockchain, we're starting to spend a lot of time thinking about how blockchain fits with the broader set of social responsibilities. One of the reasons that I was attracted to blockchain in the first place was I thought like, wow, this has this amazing potential to create a much fairer ecosystem for commercial transactions. Right. But one of the other things that we're starting to spend a bit of time thinking about where I really want to see the amazing creativity and hyperactive kind of innovation, of the DeFi community focused, is on things like environmental governance, uh, uh, and, and social change. And in particular, let's take something like climate change mitigation or investments in carbon capture or alternative energy forms. These are still relatively immature businesses. They are, they're scaling up rapidly, but they're relatively immature And they require investors who have a substantial appetite for risk. Yep. And nothing describes blockchain ecosystem investors <laughs> better than a group of people who have an appetite for substantial risk, who want to pioneer new technologies. And in the past, the, the way that the way that we funded the two trillion dollar power grid in the United States was, you know, because we got every single person in every home, every business to pay their little share of it, right? Right. And, and their monthly bills and and executing this this transaction flow where millions of small monthly bills added up to trillions of of big capital dollars It's very powerful i think the future is using decentralized financial tools to channel millions of small bills and payments into tens of thousands or thousands of small and medium sized scale projects and enabling this decentralized ecosystem power of investment of climate change mitigation to be able to run up at scale and we We just don't know how to do that with a centralized technology infrastructure. And I think centralized technology enabled the aggregation and the centralization of capital to build big power stations. Decentralized finance should enable the aggregation and distribution of large quantities of funding out to large numbers of smaller investments. So we will have a new technology kind of model for a new investment model that will need to scale up. And so I am working hard on thinking about how do we kind of use this blockchain technology to enable a faster scaling of some of these technologies and services that really matter in terms of like climate change and social justice.
1: I think that's, I think there's, I've thought a lot about kind of some of those same kinds of issues about how to to aggregate across people who are doing really cool experimental stuff on climate change, et cetera, and getting the funds out to the field. So I definitely can see a path there. And the cool thing about it is is if you can, if you can aggregate out those investments out to multiple places, then you also have the potential to, to reduce risk while increasing the opportunity for success financially and success on the goals and the missions of that. I'm glad to hear you're thinking about that and working through that. Are you guys doing much in terms of looking at DeFi as something you're going to be involved in or is that and that from like say institutional traders thinking about it whatever is that something that comes up for you guys or are you really kind of sticking to these i mean i know the things you do impact that but specifically
0: Yeah, so we are actually doing a lot of DeFi work. What we can do in DeFi is a little bit limited by the fact that we are a regulated entity and we have specific responsibilities, especially for like the public company accounting oversight board. So there are limitations on what we're allowed to do, but where we are allowed to do things, we're investing very heavily. We're actually doing a lot of client work. What I foresee is that most of our major clients over the next 10 years are going to want to do a couple of important things. Number one, really three things. Number one. They're going to want to offer crypto assets and DeFi services to their traditional transaction-centric banking customers, right? You're going to open up your online bank account, and you're going to see dollars and treasury bonds and ETH, and and you're going to be able to click a couple of buttons and and move your money. So the first thing is access to the the, the ecosystem, right? The the financial ecosystem in the blockchain. Secondly, these existing financial companies are sitting on trillions and trillions of dollar assets. They can be wrapped, tokenized, and deployed into the DeFi ecosystem, treasury bonds, stocks, real estate, loans, you name it. These are going to be tokenized, wrapped, and deployed. And we are doing multiple projects for clients. We're building them tokenization tools, financial management tools, risk management tools, You know, all kinds of pieces that they can use in their deployment process, not to mention all the tools around audit and risk management that we have to do if we're going to do financial statement audits. And then finally, I really believe we're going to see this kind of convergence, right? What I always tell people is like, when you buy a stock, do you know or care? Nobody knows, like you pointed out, all those middlemen that you went through, they don't even know whether the transaction was done on the NICE, or the NASDAQ, or the London Stock Exchange, or some other dark pool. You don't know. And in the future, when you buy ETH, or you buy a blockchain transaction. You do a blockchain transaction. You won't know. Somebody gives you an address. Say, I need to pay this bill. They might give you an email address. They might give you a, a blockchain address. They might give you a, a post office box. You don't care how it gets done, as long as it gets done. And you know, success—the end state of success. One of the, the stories I tell, like internally, is if we are wildly successful, we will become completely invisible. Nobody wow. says to themselves, how does HTTPS work? It just works. So we don't care. We don't spend any time thinking about it. That's where I want us to eventually get.
1: I ask everybody on the show, what are people or projects in the crypto DeFi ecosystem that you find inspirational or you think are really doing amazing work and may or may not be known uh, to the rest of us?
0: So obviously I'm I'm really blown away with, Polygon and not just Polygon. A year ago, people were like, "Hey, can blockchain scale?" You know, and the answer is, "Oh, yes, it can." Right, and not just a little bit. Right, but today we can look across half a dozen layer two. We've got massively scalable, deeply anchored in the Ethereum ecosystem. I personally think the era of kind of ETH killers is over. That's one key thing. Second thing is, yeah, we are overly focused on DeFi. Right, it's it's got all of our mindshare, and and we do tons of work in it. And it's a very financial process, but. We should take a moment to remember that dozens of non-financial services business are being incubated on the blockchain. And I think the next monster category that's coming is decentralized computing and infrastructure services, data streaming, data storage. If if you can see it as a cloud computing service today, it will be a decentralized computing service or available as a, as a competitive and alternative option tomorrow. And I'm incredibly kind of bullish on that whole ecosystem you know, data transfer tokens, content distribution tokens, the different file storage protocols. This, you know, one one of the things that people forget is that there are, I think, one or possibly two, excuse me, at least two orders of more magnitude computing bandwidth and storage power at the edge of the network than there is in all the world's data centers combined, right? And today, the vast majority of that's idle and unused. This is going to change that ecosystem very substantially, and so we are building. What's taking shape now is that we are building not just a financial ecosystem, not just a data ecosystem. We're building an entire digital economy in the Ethereum ecosystem. And so, I'm really bullish. I, without naming too many projects, there's Ocean, there's Life here, there's all of these other uh, uh, really cool startups at uh, Golem. I can't say which ones are going to be successful, but I can tell you with certainty, sure, that if it exists in the cloud a, it's almost certainly going to be available as a decentralized computing and infrastructure service in the very near future at scale. And it's going to be earth shatteringly more cost and performance competitive.
1: That's great. Do your family and friends understand what you do?
0: You know, my kids definitely tell their friends, like my dad, you know, he's all over blockchain. I know my other nice. absolutely sick of hearing about it. My mother, this is a very funny situation. My mother is a mainframe software developer in the 1960s and 70s. And I explained talking to her and I explained like transaction, you know, what we're doing. And she looks at me, she's like, So let me see if I've understood this. You guys built a transaction processing system that basically does what we've been doing since the 1960s, but way less efficient. (laughs) I'm like, Yep, mom. And she's like, Congratulations. Uh, And she can be, she's got a very dry sense of humor, but it is, it is very funny in some ways to realize, like that historical perspective, like for all the progress that we think we are making, sometimes, you know, somebody like my mother who's 81 will come and like, just she'll puncture your bubbles wow. and be like, yeah, we, we were doing that like 1965. It was punch card.
1: Wow. That's right. amazing. That's so cool to have a mom that was, a, that was a, a software developer. That's awesome. None of my family understands, except my kids, my kids get it, but you know, that's it. That's absolutely.
0: Yeah. They get it much um, more intuitively. That's always true.
1: Yeah, my, my kids love talking about the fact that dad's a nerd. So that's good. That's good. Thank you so much. I'm really excited for what, what you guys are doing there. I'm really impressed with how you're leading that operation. How should people reach out to you? If people are looking for a gig, are you guys hiring?
0: We are hiring in San Francisco, New York, London, Tel Aviv, Trivandrum, India, uh, Just send me note wow. Paul.brody at ey.com and uh, or follow me on, on Twitter. I'm at P Brody. And uh, we, we love to hear from people, I'll admit. I'm a little slow sometimes on the email, but I I do get to almost all of them, and we are yeah we're we're growing. We're we're we get about two hundred applicants for every one open position, which is wow. which is really encouraging. Like you wouldn't that's have, to, great. like a, a traditional firm like EY would get that kind of uh, response, but we do.
1: No, that's that's fantastic. Well, look I, again, I think people do their research and figure out what you guys are doing and what you're building, and I think they're they're excited about it because um, you provide the the history of of EY and the stability of it, along with doing cutting edge work. And that's that's an exciting thing for some people. And that's great. Thank you so much for your time, Paul. I uh, look forward to it. And I'd love to chat with you again in six months or a year and see how things are going with you guys. I'm definitely going to keep track of what you're working on.
0: Well, I'd be delighted to. Thanks for having me on today.
1: Thanks a lot. Have a great evening.
2: Navigating this world of blockchain isn't easy to do for large organizations that want to be taken seriously. And I think Paul Brody and the team at EY are doing an amazing job being not only important for the world that they can reach that many of us cannot to bring them into crypto and DeFi, but also that they are doing it the right way they are contributing tools that not only will help them gain new clients and new revenue streams but will also help all of us be safer and do better in crypto that's not an easy needle to thread and i'm thoroughly impressed with what ey is doing so far in this space i look forward to having them back on and talking further if you enjoyed this episode please rate review, subscribe, tweet about it. Please help us spread the word of financial freedom. Thanks for listening.